0: Hey everyone, welcome to How Greats Create. I'm your host, Alex Crompton. I've been writing music my whole life. Recently, I decided I want to get better at it, but no one could tell me the answer to my one simple question. How do the best musicians write music? So I decided to ask them. How Greats Create is a podcast where I interview world-class musicians I love, from pop to classical, and ask them how they write music. Of course, there's no magic formula, but I'm certain we can get pretty close. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media so you know when new episodes come out. And if you enjoy this episode, I'd really appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend. It makes a big difference in reaching more people. Enjoy. I'm lucky today to be joined by George Gretton. George is a singer, multi-instrumentalist, artist and producer from Nottingham who is hard to explain. Part Muramasa, part James Flake, part Von Ivor, part Imogen Heat, part Jai Paul, and part still drum, it's hard to put George's music into words. But after just a couple of listens, his style is unmistakable. Odd hypnotic rhythms and pop hooks, it's just really good, so go and listen. But if good music isn't your thing, George is also a vocal dead ringer for Chris Martin. So, wherever you're into, the site you can find to get out George's stuff.
1: <laughs> um, wow, what, what an intro.
0: <laughs> I, I love it. George's latest release, Slipstream, is out now on all streaming platforms, and you can find links in the description. I also recommend checking out his live performances, including for BBC Introducing on social media. If you can't put person, they're really cool. Um, I'm also joined by Ben today. Ben is a good friend of mine, also a fan of George. He runs Tive and has done a bunch of interesting stuff in tech as well as in music. So welcome, Ben. And thanks thanks for coming, both of you. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Looking forward
1: to it. So maybe we can just start with, how much have you thought about how you write Well, my writing process is really, it's really unformulaic, like it's really sort of all over the place and I'm probably not your classic singer-songwriter, I don't sort of have like a a thought journal or anything like that, I just sort of, generally my process is, because it's all self-produced in my bedroom studio, it is generally just... Beat making and messing around with sounds, messing around with samples, messing around with different synth layers and stuff until and I just, I just sort of repeat that until I find something that really catches me. And then if I know I'm being caught, then at least I know at some point someone else could be caught by whatever that thing is. So it could be like a really weird beat or something. And then I just layer and layer and layer. And I usually sort of lyrics aren't the hardest thing, but they are they are always changing for me because I'm always thinking. You know, I always want it to sound right as well as read right. So I want it to read well. I also want it to sound like uh, how I imagine the song to sound. So if, if I'm really, if I really like the words that are down on the paper, but they don't sound nice like with the track, then I'll scrap them and I'll just keep revising that, keep revising it until um, I get somewhere. So long answer, short. Sure, my song process is a bit all over the place, but I think the more time I spend on it, the more it sounds like me, which is, I guess, at one, one plus side. Mm.
0: How did you start?
1: Like what do you remember like the first thing you wrote? The first thing I wrote yeah, I've been I've been writing since I was about ten or eleven probably. I did sort of guitar lessons, um like classical guitar lessons and was just like in love with indie bands basically when I was growing up. And that was the first thing that got me excited about making music rather than just playing it at school or whatever. Um and then I was in sort of a few different indie bands at school and school jazz band, that sort of thing. And, it, and then it wasn't until I started doing music lessons with like film music that I really got into sort of making my own stuff by myself. So it was always like a collaborative thing before that. And then I really sort of delved into my own world when we started using Sibelius at school for mm. making film music and stuff. And that's what I wanted to do for ages, which is compose music for for like like scores for film basically. And yeah, that I think you can kind of hear a little bit of that now. Like there's still like big layers and doesn't really sound like a solo like a solo singer songwriter. There's still like loads and loads of stuff going on. Super dramatic as well. There's like lots yeah, of yeah. moments, you know.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Like exactly. Almost, yeah. almost theatrical in that sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think there's there's still a bit of that in there, but I kind of, I still loved the like the vocal hooks and like the the sort of pop sensibilities of having like a chorus that really sticks in your head. And no matter how much sort of filmy or soundscapey stuff I did, I always found myself wanting to sing over the top. And mm. then so. I mean, I still might do that at some point. Who knows? But at the moment, this is very much what I'm doing.
2: I love the idea of you sending in these like film compositions to people and then they're just like, why is your voice on here? Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. It just like, it
1: needed a pop hook or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I mean, it's, as you said, I try to keep it dramatic and certain. Like, have certain stops and certain um, places where people feel something, whether it's like, Fierce or sad or whatever, and yeah, I try and I try and keep it interesting musically as well as lyrically as well. Mm. So for you,
0: has there been a time where you felt really, really good creatively? Is there like a a part of your life way like that was super formative and I wrote a lot of my best stuff?
1: Yeah, I I moved to London about a year and a half ago, and I did. I I always it's a bit of cliche, but I always say like you've got to do a bit of living to be inspired like you can't just do nothing all the time and find the inspiration for your best stuff so for me I always like I always want to like keep myself really busy outside of music to find the inspiration to do my best music so when I moved to London like any young person who moves to London you're just busy all the time never have any free time to do any music but that was when I was coming up with all the ideas that I all the stuff i'm releasing now and all the stuff that I will be releasing this year were probably written in that stretch um from since since moving to London because Every time I had to go out to work or go out to see some friends or go out to dinner or whatever it was, I'd always find myself wanting to write stuff as I was like supposed to be leaving the door, supposed to be getting ready. It's a bit of a, I don't know, songwriter's curse. And I've known quite a few people that said something similar. But, uh, you know, when you're supposed to be doing something else is when your best com- ideas come into your head. And then I'm like, totally just true. quickly record yeah. that now, quickly get that in and then I'll go. And then my friends always complain that I'm late to stuff. But- <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's important. It's yeah, yeah. Need to be lit. <laughs> the perfect excuse. Yeah.
0: What, is, is there one of the one of the tracks that you've released now is one of those uh, kind of
1: leaving, leaving the house?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they all track. are.
1: Slipstream came about, which is the tune I've just released, that came about probably October, the end of last year. So that was definitely during that period. And it was just just messing around with samples and drum loops that I'd made. And that's sort of the the main groove of that songs that sort of swung high hats and, and, like, kick and clap on two and four. And, yeah, that basically was... Yeah, that would have been during that time when I was writing loads and loads of stuff, but never having the time to finish any of it, which is another one of the curses a lot of my singer-songwriter friends will say. Like, it's so easy to start a track, but I'm um, so hard to finish one. And so, yeah, it's only, like, now where I've had um, lockdown and I've been a bit more sort of homebound where i've been able to finish a lot of the stuff off and like be like right that's done and sort of have to take the time to polish everything up which has been good in that sense but less like i was saying earlier i had to do i feel like you've got to do quite a lot of living to find the inspiration for stuff so i would say i've, I've written less stuff as a result of lockdown but finished more so pros and mm. cons that's yeah. super interesting so is the like writing part for you distinct
0: from production
1: yes and no I think I always start with some production and I'm always super quick to add effects probably maybe too quick and might be detrimental but I'm always super quick to be like oh I could add a really cool effect here and oh I could do this with the mix here and they end up coming with coming up with like demo versions quite quickly but actually producing the finished products takes a lot of time and a bit more discipline and a mm. bit more because it's the less fun part, the fun part is coming up with the ideas and you know getting it down and and picking the best stuff but the the sort of the harder part of it is being being happy to let things go for example being happy to chop some ideas out of it being happy to say you know this is actually taking away from the track even though I like the idea this is getting Mm. in the way of the vocals or this is getting in the way of the of the beat so so yeah I I would say there's a distinction between producing like the final version and writing for sure Mm. what is for you then what is
0: it an idea as in like how what form does that take
1: in terms of in terms of in terms of what
0: when i listen to your music at least i heard it like man it's so hard to imagine this song not in this way because the rhythm and just the way it sounds is like so much about what makes it good and so i can't Mm -hmm. imagine you sitting there on a guitar or whatever and being like cool
1: this is a good idea and then i'm gonna go to yeah yeah it's got to
0: like have some form you know (laughs)
1: yeah it's it's super rare that I write anything bare bones just like on a guitar or or at a piano, which is a shame because I used to love doing that but the more I've learned about production, the more I love producing stuff um and the more I love starting with beats and starting with wacky ideas so I think for me it's gotta it's gotta really grab me the music I like and is inspired by more and more so nowadays is is weird music, whether that's in whatever genre. But So it's got to start with that. It's got to start with something that's kind of like, oh, I haven't heard that before. Or, you know, this is this is weird. This is jarring. This is slightly, like, unnerving sometimes. Or this is nicking something from a different culture, which I wouldn't usually listen to. And that's where it starts, because if it's not exciting me there, then I know I'm just going to get bored of it before the time I release it. And then, yeah, as I said, I sort of build the the song structure a bit later on. So it's more of a it's more of like a soundscape beforehand before anything else. It's like a world um, that I like really invested in. And then I start picking that apart and building the song around that. Mm. Can, can you give an example
2: from the weird music you've been listening to? In, in the yeah. So I've been
1: listening to like, I listen to like a lot of minimal electronic music. I listen to a lot of sort of Chinese folk music. Um, what, I, what, I would, what I would often do is just find myself with, you know the world of music at our fingertips now I find myself just listening to random playlists from uh, different parts of the world so I went through a big sort of like yeah Chinese folk phase which I really really loved or like Indian film music with like using like raga scales and stuff like that and then other stuff like I listen to a load a load of hip hop old school like 90s hip hop but also modern trappy stuff like I don't really discriminate I really like what else so like, i like i sort of grew up on on rock music and indie music so i think i just go i do get inspired by the stuff i listen to and it may not sound like that come the end of the track that i've produced yeah. but uh, for me i can definitely hear certain elements of of the things i've been listening to at least at the start and then it, it sort of becomes its own thing after that
2: yeah Wait, is are there any of the tracks particularly influenced by chinese Book music. Um, that, that's not something I've
1: picked <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've got a track called Grey or Blue, which is sort of part film music, part... I think that was actually Japanese music, but it's got, like, a Koto sample at the, at the very start, and that sort of goes throughout the whole song, and different, like, chime sounds that would have come from... from that. I would have heard, like, a, chi- a chime in that playlist, and I thought, you know, that would sound really cool with the hip-hop beat behind it and stuff like that. And that's not something I've come up with you know people have been sampling music for a long time and in pop music and in hip hop and all over the place really so it's not something that's exclusive to me but i try and i try not to listen to what all my friends are listening to because yeah. i feel like that can make my music sound like them and i, I don't want that i just want it to sound yeah. like me but i'm yeah.
2: curious with, with that kind of almost like scrapbooking things that you like and you're listening to weird music and then it comes back into your songs like, what's your process there? Do you like, are you hearing something and then be like, that would be good later. I'll like try and remember that. And or, or do you think? Oh, actually, I was listening to the chimes of it. Well, how does that go? <laughs> no,
1: I think it's super subconscious. I I have heard. I have, there has been a couple of times where I've I've like made playlists of like stuff that's inspired me, and I'd be like, I'll find it like a, a really weird. Track from from somewhere else, and and I, I will save it for later because I'll be like, I know I want to get into that vibe again. So I've done that a couple of times, but generally I think it's subconscious. And I think, you know, I I do think that the more the more you sort of push the boundaries of what you like and listen to things that you wouldn't naturally go for, it does sort of inform your creativity a little bit. And yeah, I always encourage friends who who find themselves in like find themselves in writer's block or anything like that to challenge themselves with what they're listening to and it doesn't even have to be music it could be watch some films that you wouldn't usually usually watch or read something you wouldn't usually read anything like that I think yeah that can inform you creatively and you can be inspired by something that's completely different to what you'd usually like and that can help you get out of that rut maybe
2: yeah yeah I think that kind of goes back to you saying like you want to live to you need to do some living to be inspired to create stuff for sure you can't like yeah film or other music or fiction can take you into a different world that can inspire you if you're not if you don't have time to do your living as well
1: yeah exactly i think it's i think it's so important to to yeah well things can just become formulaic and that's the last thing Mm. i want it to be if you're just doing the same thing and i get that repetition can create like really good habits and that can get you into like i know some amazing writers that you know Really like particular about writing seven songs a week or five songs a week and finishing them, and that's so amazing. And they can write some really cool stuff, but that's just not the way I write. I prefer to take time with it and actually like live and breathe that song for a while and really get. Because I I can't. I'm not the type of person who can finish a track in one or two minutes. I really have to be in there deep and working on it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours across like multiple days for it to for me. For, for it to feel like me otherwise i just don't feel like i've given it enough of myself so to do that i think you've got to like i said do some living and and you know get some real experiences to be able to go that deep otherwise i just i just don't feel it i've tried to do like writing sessions with people who are amazing at just smashing out song after song after song which is something that is really really cool and it's a completely different skill in itself and that's like maybe more discipline than what i do so, like, certain writers in the music industry are just, like, so disciplined and have such an amazing work ethic of just hitting song after song after song out. But, like I said, it's just not it's just not how I write at the moment. Maybe one day. How,
2: how do those <laughs> sessions go when you, when you try to do that,
1: you know? They usually end up with an unfinished song because I... Because it's, we're just coming at it from two different angles. Like, I don't know, maybe I just haven't found the right person to do it with yet, but... I'm super in terms of my in terms of my stuff anyway right writing on my stuff I'm super closed off and the people I let into that process are my drummer who has been in bands with me since I was like 13 and lives on my road like living on the same road that I grew up on and my guitarist and bassist who mixes all my music and masters it and he so they're the only two who like I really trust enough to let in, but even even then, like I don't trust them enough to like share my lyrical process with them, even though I'm sure they could add loads of cool stuff I'm just like I said I feel I need to go like quite deep inside myself to be able to write stuff that I really care about, and if i don't if I don't go that deep, then I end up not caring about it so lyrically
2: or musically or both
1: lyrically especially, but musically as well i I, I feel like I could jam a bit more with those guys on the music but when it comes to lyrics i i i'm super closed off and that's something i'm working on and i need to get better at because collaboration's massive in music and i i it's weird because if i was if i was doing i've done a few sessions producing for other artists and i'm fine doing that but when it comes to my stuff i just feel like it's my baby and i'm really really like nervous about sharing any of the steps until it's ready and maybe it's because i'm a perfectionist but until it's like ready to go and how i want it to sound then i'm not comfortable sharing loads of loads of the stuff in 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 the build-up to it and yeah that's a pro and a con because it's great that it sounds so much like me but also some of the best music comes from collaborating with people so yeah working on it (laughs) but when and how do you know if it's good then that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I, I <laughs> guess if I find myself like, if I find myself playing it back a lot to myself and like wanting to listen to it in certain places, like if I'm in the car, I'd be like, I want to see how that demo sounds. And then I do end up sharing it with those two guys. I mentioned my drummer and my guitarist playing the live band and my manager and maybe like one or two friends who play in bands that, I'm, that have like opinions that I really trust. Then I'll send it to them and sort of get their opinion. It has to be a pretty fully formed stage by that point for me to feel comfortable sharing it with them. So in answer to your question, I don't know when it's good or bad, but I think you've got to, you've got to write the bad stuff and you've got to finish the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. Like no one, I don't think there's anything to be gained by like scrapping a song halfway through, even if you don't think it's going to be, the big single like I think you've got to finish it and give it everything because sometimes the songs you don't like are the songs that really resonate with other people and I think yeah I think you've just got to finish everything and then sit with it for a bit and then you know when it's when it's good enough
2: that's yeah. really interesting because I would, I would think if if you're not feeling a song and you're halfway
1: through it's just what yeah. how do you even know that someone might even like it at that point because I think there's always been there's always been a thing where you you have liked it at one point Right. You have liked the idea; otherwise, you wouldn't be working on like right. the the very initial idea. When I am just riffing around, I I know at some point something's grabbed me. So, whenever I am starting to feel like stagnant with a song or it's not going anywhere, I've just got to take a step back and think. There, were, there was a point where you've really loved what this was. So, persevere, and then once it's finished, you can not listen to it for months, and then you'll probably come back to it and really like it. Or if it's if it's not very good, it's not very good, and you never release it, and that's fine too. Like, there's loads of stuff I haven't released. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever sort of feel I haven't
0: quite made what I thought was good about this song
1: come through? Yes, yeah, and I. Sometimes the sometimes the songs that take the longest and require the most work end up end up not translating for that reason and it's it's so frustrating and sometimes I'll come back to songs which I think which I think are finished and be like right I'm gonna completely scrap this section um completely scrap this and and rebuild it there's a song I'm working on an EP at the moment and there's it's, it's nearly finished there's a song called Floods which is like the opening track and I've been working on that for for so long and so sometimes get these frustrating moments where I go back and listen to the initial initial demo and I'm like, oh, that was better. <laughs> that,
2: that was, <laughs> was like, I've been working on it for so, so long.
1: And I really like how that was more minimal. Or that was how that uh, was just more bare bones. I don't know. But, but I think, you, I think, I think you just got to persevere. And if it comes out in the end, I think, I think I've always, I've always got like a sense of when, things are good enough and if they're not if they're not then I just won't release it I'm I'm not the type to like release something that I think is half baked so I don't know in, in answer to that question whether I've released something that hasn't quite translated but I'd like to think that I'd like to think that I would have noticed that at some point I don't hmm. know
0: have you ever considered for those tracks which you think you haven't managed to sort of capitalize on or whatever have you ever considered bringing in a producer or someone
1: to work with you to help you articulate what's good about it? Yeah, yeah. So I often do that with, I often do that with uh, my drummer and be, It's usually because I'm not a drummer. That's like the one instrument that I can sort of pass by, but I, I don't. I don't always write parts that are playable by drummers. Like I, I I'll often like write a beat and my drummer will come in and be like, that doesn't really work. Uh, what you should do. <laughs> so, and so I'll get, I think sometimes getting like a fresh, a fresh voice on, on, on where like the instruments are going can help you like contextualize what the problem is. But, and I, I would be open to having uh, producers work on it. But like I said, I feel like I've got to really trust them first and I haven't found the person that gets my music like I get it enough to let them in yet. Um, other than those two guys so yeah I am open to it but for me it's always because I have a really clear idea of what I want things to sound like in my head it's often like explaining that to someone I may as well just work at it for two hours and do it myself and sort of roll my sleeves up and do the boring stuff in in logic and yeah I haven't I haven't I'm yet to find the the ideal person to do that kind of bigger picture stuff with. But I am open to it. Hmm. You've talked a lot so far
0: about this idea of finding your sound. I think that's a really interesting thought. And I'm curious how you make sure that you don't fall into, like, cliche or fall into things that that you don't identify with. Yeah. Do you, like, have have, like, tools that you do to, like, generate ideas that aren't going to be a four-chord pop song? Like, are there...
1: Do you involve chance, for example? I don't usually involve chance, but I I think I think a lot of the beauty of working in, in, like, something like Logic or Ableton, I think the beauty of it is you can find a lot of happy accidents that you wouldn't have been able to if you're just writing bare bones with a piano or guitar. And... I do a lot of that. I do a lot of clicking around and if I have a melody or a bass line that I find a bit samey or a bit vanilla then I'll just go into the piano roll on whatever that is. I usually work in MIDI for that reason until the eighth hour before I like overdubs things and I'll just chop things up and say if there's a bass line that I find to be a bit bland then I'll um, cut it up and shift things up, up until it stands out to me. So it's maybe a less musical approach to keeping things interesting and more of just like a playing around in in logic which is what i use so yeah if i find that things are getting a bit formulaic or a bit a bit bland then i end up just going back into the midi and playing around until there's something that like grabs me again and then go from there Hmm. do you you even as in do you like write the melodies in in midi or do you i yeah some sometimes i'll sometimes i'll just draw it in rather than playing it in because it gives you i think it gives you more well, yeah, what I usually do is I'll I'll draw it in generally. It does vary, but generally I'll draw it in and then I'll chop and change it. And I think that having it on a piano roll does give you like way more flexibility to just change things uh, last minute. And then what I usually do is I'll learn it. And when, it, when it's it's when I've got a part that I'm really happy with, I'll learn it and then overdub it. So it's like actually mm. sounds like me rather than a computer playing it. Have you ever so, had the thing of just not being able to play your own part. Yeah, just yeah, like, <laughs> loads of times. So the first track, the first track we, the first track we made uh, for this project was the first track I released called Treadwater. and the drum beat is manic. The synth part is really weird, and that was one of the tracks where my drummer said, "You know, this isn't a drum, <laughs> this isn't a drum part. Like this, <laughs> this is just sounds." Like, <laughs> and we we got together before we'd even come up with the live set and figured out how we were going to do this all live I was just like right bring your sample pad over I'll get my MIDI keyboard and I'll get all the sounds on there and let's just figure it figure this out because it's mayhem um, and it must that one song must have taken us about three months to learn it was so difficult and (laughs) and like because we wanted to get it note perfect because we were playing to a click but it just if you listen back to the song and you'll understand what i mean like the drums are just the drums are just chaos and the red there's so many like gaps of like oh here's a gap of three beats here's a gap of two and a half beats and you know it ends up just being it it was really really hard and there was there was a point i remember my drummer said to me he said mate one day we're going to get this, and it's going to be muscle memory, and we'll just be laughing about this, and that's kind of what got us through because because it was mostly drawn in and just like dragged and dropped samples and stuff. That was that was one of the biggest challenges we've actually done. And another song that I've really scored, overhead, had a similar sort of story because the drums there are really weird and sort of sporadic. So yeah, in answer to your question, all the time we do that yeah. all the time. write something that we I can't just, play.
2: I just love the this idea of a live band having to like. At the mercy
1: of something that you've just like dragged into, yeah, yeah, game. yeah. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> my 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 bandmates would love to speak to you about that. <laughs> yeah, it's chaos because usually people are trying to get what they do live into into the 3 yeah. into one thing, and for us, it's completely the other way around.
2: Yeah, well, I saw was in a, a very similar style band where yeah, actually. His name's Theo Bass and his music, his music quite s- similar to yours in some in some ways, like quite dramatic in places and electronic. And yeah, so we, we had the task of trying to translate into a, a live version. And we, we, I guess we just made a lot of use of samples, but having live drums, like trying to replace the electronic stuff, yeah. gave a very different feel and super fun to do. I, yeah. I wonder like how much, how was your translation over and do you try and keep it, sounding like the record did you do you evolve into something a bit different
1: yeah we start we start trying to perfectly replicate what's on track because if we if we know it note for note sample for sample everything um in one place then i feel like that then that's when the fun can happen so we try we rehearse really really hard for our gigs and we get it like as tight as, as possible and then What we often do is... So my drummer plays like a hybrid kit. So it's like an SPD with a kick trigger all playing electronic samples that are from the track. And then he has like some real cymbals, a real snare, real tom. I think a lot of of electronic bands are doing that now. But I first saw it when James Blake plays live with it. And I've seen him a few times. And his drummer has just got this crazy setup where it's, it's like based around his SPD and he's playing real stuff. So that was kind of the inspiration and... Yeah, now when we do it, I feel like if you get everything down on the SPD, then you can use the real drums for impact for live. So if you're playing a beat on sort of an 808 hi hat and a clap on the SPD, and then for a big chorus, you want to add some, you know, some real cymbals and a, a real snare, all of a sudden the audience goes, like, Whoa, like that, yeah. that's like because you can have way more like the. The velocity of notes, like the range of stuff you can play, like really quite, and add real impact on the real drums is something that's super powerful live. So I feel like using the electronic stuff and that just emphasises that even more, and you can have way more fun with like playing with the audience expectations.
0: Yeah,
2: that's super interesting.
1: Mm. You mentioned James Blake.
0: Are there, any, are there any artists that you have consciously tried to take? Things from in your production?
1: Not massively. I listen to a lot of Kanye West and I feel like so uncomfortable saying that because he's just (laughs) such a lost person, a person that like he's such a lost human. I I feel like he's made some of the best music ever though. But he's his, yeah, every time I think I'm done with him, I'll I'll find myself listening to one of his records like back to front and just be like, this guy is amazing. And yeah, I don't think there's any shame in loving his music. I think there's shame in loving him, but that's a different story. <laughs> but yeah, he's yeah, he's he's awesome and the 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 tr- A Ways and Heartbreaks album, I often find myself listening to Dark Twist Fancy, obviously all of them really. There's there's something from it, all of them. And even if it's I do reference like the drum sample choice he uses in a lot of and his albums are so so different but they're also listenable back to front but I often find myself like hearing one of his snares and being like I wonder if I could recreate that because that sounds Mm. super cool and FKA Twigs as well don't know if you've listened to her Mm. most recent album but it's like a real experience the album Magdalene is called and I do find myself sometimes hearing some of the, some of the choice. I think a guy called Nicholas Jar produced quite a lot of them. He's like an electronic yeah. producer and yeah, some of the, some of the production on that album is incredible. So I do find myself referencing that a little bit just for like mix and sort of vibe references, I suppose mm. more than, more than anything too much, but and then I I do send my stuff to my my guitarist to mix it. So once I finish producing it, he's like way better than me at sort of finalizing things to like a, to like a glossy radio friendly level. So mm. I'll, I'll mix it to an extent and then send him stems and he'll mix it. But I'll, I'll send him references of people like that, people like Kanye or F. K. Twigs to sort of mm. get into that vibe as well. I think like one interesting thing in your music that
0: reminds me of. Kanye is what feels like the deliberateness with which you pick every sound. I remember one of the first things that I ever learned when I was like learning how to use lo- Logic for the first time was like try and recreate flashing lights. Yeah, and it's just still to this day. I think it's just like it gives me goosebumps at oh, various points in that yeah. song. And it's and when I like try and deconstruct it, there's like four things going on as far as I could tell. But he's just picked the best possible sound.
1: For each of those components,
0: and it's like, oh, yeah,
1: hundred percent. The the genius of him, I think, is just like the curation of different different worlds into one place. Because he yeah. he's just like a sampling genius, and maybe that's where my like inspiration for. like finding things from different places came from because i listened to him a lot over the years and i'm always like watching documentaries on how he's made things or or people who've like recreated his beats and logic and stuff and flashing lights is a massive one for me um also i wonder on that album as well Mm. both of those two really resonate with me and probably the closest two tracks in terms of music to to my stuff i've actually got a track on my ep coming out that I used flashing lights for as a reference for the mix. So you nice. might hear a bit of that at some point. Yeah, very <laughs> cool.
0: Um, I noticed that you so you use the steel drums both kind of melodically and rhythmically. Where's mm. that from?
1: What? I think I first heard the steel drums used, that I thought was really cool, in a Jamie XX song. I can't remember which song it was. Um, but he uses them in a really cool way in a lot of his tracks. Mm. And before I made any songs with steel drums, I was listening to a lot of as a result of hearing that jamie xx track i I wanted to find what inspired him so i was listening to a lot of like calypso music and a lot of Mm. stuff like that that's one thing i haven't mentioned which i do i do like doing as like a exercise is if i find like a song an electronic song or a hip-hop song that i really really like i do find myself researching what's inspired them so if i find Mm. like where their sample is from i try and listen to the whole album that that sample is from rather than just mm. the one track and really get into that world. So yeah, I do spend a lot of time doing that actually. And and that was a similar thing with the Jamie song. I can't remember the name of the song that uses it now, but um, I'm sure it'll come to me. But yeah, because as a result of that, I ended up listening to loads of like clips and music and things like that. And then I bought myself a, I bought myself a sort of steel drum that was like uh, custom made for me, got it somewhere. And there's a guy in Plymouth who makes these like, steel drums made from scrap metal well it's kind of like a wow. not an actual steel drum but like i think it was a moon drum and it's you you can play it with a beater or with your hands It's like this round hmm. thing and, and they're really expensive i thought they were super expensive yeah yeah they they can be the, the proper hang drums can be but this is just like a small round one i'll see if i can get it in a bit but it's i i wanted one that was because they're usually tuned to a certain key and i wanted one that was chromatic so i could play a few of my songs live so now nice. i've got that which is another whole because I didn't know how to play it at all, and so I had to learn all these songs. That I was playing on like a sample pad on an actual steel drum thing. You're using that on stage? Yeah, we yeah we used it. We played a few shows at the back end of last year to to launch the song Grail Blue and it was just so fun playing that on stage Like we had like the sound engineers hated us like, but <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say
2: yeah. like
1: it so funny and, like turning up to a uh turning up to a live set and seeing the sound engineer expecting like oh so what is it drums bass guitar keys it's yeah. like no it's well it's i use two microphones to start with one's like for effects and looping and one's yeah. like clean and then it's all midi stuff two of us got midi keyboards SPD from the drummer and a steel drum, and they're like, oh, for goodness <laughs> sake! <So that's> <laughs> and I that's love you fun.
2: reeling off that list, and then they're like,
1: oh, and a steel drum, yeah, and a steel <laughs> drum, and like, oh, for goodness <laughs> sake! And especially like the other, you know how like sound checks always run over, they're never running mm-hmm. on time, and then like if you're the headline band and just seeing the support band's faces of like, oh, now they're sound checking their steel drum <laughs> 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 and stuff like that.
2: So that's quite fun. You'll get the odd sound guy who'll absolutely love that challenge. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. And I think long term, if if the tours start going again soon, which I hope they do, it's always fun. To, it's always better to bring your own sound engineer for that very reason because you know you yeah. never know what kind of sound you're going to get from the in house ones because there's such a range of stuff we have on on stage for just three people that yeah, it's, it's really yeah. hit and miss and things can go wrong and have have gone wrong. <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you, do you ever miss? Doing indie band stuff, where it's just because we because actually the band I was talking about with Theo, we had all this equipment and there's just the stress of something might go wrong. So we actually retreated for a, a good number of years just to like there's no effects pedals. Just yeah. guitars. I, r- I remember that
0: so, one gig where like I can't remember um, what happened, but there was oh, like some sort of mistake stop. where someone triggered something at the it wrong time. And everyone in the band, like obviously the audience, you've no idea what's happening, but everyone in the band is looking at each other like, is the house of cards about to collapse or not? <laughs> it, 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 was,
2: it was one of those moments, I, I took, it was basically one of those moments where I had to trigger a sample of a keyboard and the, the keyboard, I didn't set up the keyboard, it's not my keyboard, and the way it had been set up was chromatically rather than just white notes. It's as simple as that. So I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> pressed, pressed this sample, which should last for like, you know, four bars. And instead it just lasts for like one beat. So it was just like, <laughs> you know, And there's this silence because it's the only thing playing at that point. And so then the drummer tries to rescue me and he's like, One, two, three, four. And I'm like, okay, I've got my second chance. And I just try a different note. And
1: it's oh, you, you don't know how familiar that story sounds really? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. so many examples of that yeah <laughs> that's, that's, that's some of the like part of the pain of relying on samples and relying on mm. especially like relying on a computer for, for that sort of thing as well but I do that out of basically because I can't afford a lot of hardware stuff, so <laughs> I rely on my computer a bit too much for live stuff. So it's a bit hit and miss, especially for festivals where you don't get like a full sound check, and you've got to kind of like yeah. just go on and, and hope for the best. So yeah, a few I've got a few stories like that for sure. Hey,
0: if you're enjoying the episode so far, I'd love it if you would leave a review or share it with a friend. It makes a huge difference for us. Thanks. One thing that I'm interested in is right at the start, you were talking about how you sort of give yourself these like periods or breaks or whatever i guess i'm just interested in whether that's driven by like you the feeling that you stop liking your own music or or whether you feel like you've nothing left to say or like what is that what's actually like happening that makes you
1: good question i don't i don't i don't think it's conscious thing of me of me getting bored of the stuff i'm making or feeling like i've not got anything to say but i just find that the busier i am the more I do have to say and the, and the more I am inspired. So I, I, I'm the, i the type of person that much prefers being busy to having nothing to do. Like if I don't have, if I have nothing to do, then I just feel, I just feel like, like crap. So yeah, I, I, it's not really a conscious thing, but I just find myself if I don't have any ideas, if I don't have any music to, to make at the top of my head, then I'll just try like, basically give myself plans, Like, make make plans, you know, try and get myself out of the house, try and get myself experiencing a few different things, try and go watch film or or something like that with somebody. Um, and I'll soon find that I'm inspired again. Or, or I'll ask someone for, like, any album recommendations, like people whose ears I trust. Ask them for any playlist that they've been making at the moment, send them my way. Um, and just to, like, get your head and your ears in a different place than what they're used to, I think it's like, really, really useful. But I, I, it's less of a conscious thing and... It's only when I, like, voice it in, in a situation like this where I actually realise that's what I've been doing. But, yeah, usually it's just something I do naturally. Yeah.
2: I, I was going to ask a related question because I think before, it was before we started recording, you said, like, you work three or four days a week and then the other days yep. are dedicated to music. Yeah. So on the days that are, like, this is a music day, do you have, like, a deliberate process then like oh, i need to come up with something or like what what yeah
1: just very Mm. practical does that structure yeah Yeah. music days generally have a task i want to get done which is so work if i'm working i'll usually come up with an idea for a track in the evening or work a little bit but i don't find that i can get myself as deep into the song as i'd like to so when i get to a day off where i'm just thinking okay this is going to be completely music i like to I usually have an idea in my head of like, I love this idea, but I didn't get into it enough. So, today that's what we're doing. So, open up the project as early as possible, start playing around. And usually, the first hour or so is just wasted, just messing around with things, trying different sounds. But then, I don't know, something will just go, and I'll just realize like, it's been five hours and I've been making quite a lot of progress on this track. And that's that's what i love about getting so deep in it is that you can like completely shut off from the world and you can realize that you know someone's been waiting for a reply to you on your phone for hours and hours and hours about something quite important and you're just be like I don't, I don't know where the time went um i've been so deep in this um but i think that's what i've i work best in not just in music but just in in life in, in like when i really get deep into it rather than just like bits of work here and there and yeah and yeah, I find that I feel much more proud of the of the music that I've made if I've been doing it for hours and hours and hours rather than little stints, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah. I mean, how often do you find that that, that you're in those modes that's on your music? So this is every week, right, you've got your music days. I'm just kind of like, as someone who doesn't have those days set aside, I'm just mm. imagining, do I... Do you get,
1: like, frustrated and like, how often does inspiration strike? Yeah, yeah, I do get frustrated. I don't get frustrated at the tracks or or I don't get frustrated even about, like, doing something for two hours and not making any progress with the song. But I do get frustrated that I can't force myself to get into those modes. Like, I mm. feel like that's really frustrating. And you try, you try your hardest, but, you know, if things aren't coming, things aren't coming. And that's when you've and that's what like I was saying earlier, that's when you've got to seek inspiration from elsewhere. Like ask people for songs or recommendations or get yourself out of the house and come back to it an hour later. But yeah, I think I think persevering with it is really key and you can have like a really frustrating few hours and still in like for the fifth or sixth hour you'll find that you've actually done some stuff that you're really proud of. It's really hard. I get really I get really when I'm in those moods, I get really like shut off from the world. And if anyone, the the only time I'm, I'm not like a, a- aggro person at all or anything like that. But the only time I ever get, I ever get like frustrated <laughs> with anyone is if I'm in that mood and I get disturbed. whether it's a call or like someone, someone like knocking on my door, for example. And I'm like, just not now, not now. I'm like, I'm in it. And you can tell that you're in it, even if it's not like a conscious thing. That's the only time I ever find myself getting annoyed with anyone is if I'm in that. And that's more like annoyed at myself than anything else.
2: Yeah. You strike me as a quite calm, a calm guy and just imagining your roommate just being like, where was that from? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, just someone asking me a question and then just not getting an answer because I'm just so like locked in. And then like, George, George. And I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> then I might snap, but yeah, it's, it, I think it's important to, for at least for my stuff to just be really, really deep in it and like let the the world that you've built kind of like swallow you up and uh, you know, like play around in there until you've got something that um, re- you really want to share. How, how does your
0: emotional state factor in to both your ability to write and what you write?
1: It's, it, it does, I, I, yeah, it does factor into it quite a lot. I find that like my my lyrics especially are sort of just like streams of consciousness rather than I'm going to sit down and write this song about this or I've got this one thing that's really been playing on my mind. I want to write a song about it. It's usually like a stream of consciousness. Like I just get have like a thought and then maybe an unrelated thought and then I'll get back to that and I'll just keep getting it down whether it's on my computer or on pen and paper. And just, I'll just keep penning it down until there's like ideas that like chopping up and changing. So my songs generally aren't about one thing explicitly or one emotion or, but you could say that, well, I'd say that like that's way more real to me because I don't, you don't always feel one thing explicitly. You're often thinking about a lot of things. You're often um talking about lots of different things. And I think my lyrics are a reflection of that. I don't think it's just this is a sad song, this is a happy song, mm. this is a, a fierce song. There's there's like a lot of different things that I feel and they all go into it. And so in, in in that regard I'd say my emotional state is probably massive to it, but not in a not in a way that's really easy to pick apart.
0: Mm. Um, just on the lyrics thing, do you mean yeah. that you write them down as in they're they're separate to the music?
1: Or no, they... I, usually, I usually I usually have okay. So the way it works, I'd usually have like hooks going around in my head or melodies around in my head that I'm sort of I I often like scat or like you know just like sing over the top that like, sing nonsense over the top until I find like something that catches me and then and the lyrics have to fit that idea that's caught me which just like a bit like what I was saying earlier that you know I could really like something down on paper but if it doesn't sound right if it's not got the right like timbre and and everything else then then it it doesn't stay in because it's first and foremost like the most important thing to me about my music is like the world that I've built and if the lyrics don't if the sound of the words doesn't fit that then it does, I don't think it belongs there and mm. so so yeah I I, will, I wouldn't say it's separate but I, I try and fit, get it to fit, like a, a hook or melody that I've got in my head. But it will be, I will have for every song that I've written, I will have way more lyrics, and then take then like subtract rather than be like this verse is going to tell this part of the story, and this pre-chorus is going to lead back into the chorus. It's more of just like I said, a stream of consciousness that I get down, and then end up picking bits from it.
0: Mm. It's interesting that you put so much into it and get so much down. And yet, the fundamental thing that you're looking for seems to be the like how the how the sound of the lyrics f- feels in the song. Yeah, it kind of feels like yeah. It's almost like well, you're, uh, not quite. But it's like if it was in a foreign language or something, that would be okay for you. But at the same time, that requires you to create a lot of
1: a lot of words, yeah. Right, which have yeah. Meaning. I think yeah. I think I think it's really important for the lyrics to mean something to you and. I don't like songs that don't mean, like, that are just sort of thoughtless. And I do, I do really want my songs to, like, be a true reflection of, like, whatever I'm saying. But at the same time, at the same time, it's because there's so, because, like, everyone thinks so much, right? So if I'm getting down all these, all these thoughts that I have, then picking anything from them is. I do think I, I is like a true really true to myself and, and really it is what I'm feeling. It's not like artificial. If I'm if I'm getting all my thoughts down into one place, even if it's not telling a coherent story to like it a coherent story to the listener, like some songs might, like a folk song might, it's still really, really true to myself and uh, feel like it's like from a really organic place. But yeah like you said I listen to I listen to a lot of music in foreign language and I don't know what they're talking about and I can still like really really love it. So I think it is important mm. for it to be true to yourself like because I think you can hear that most importantly I think you can hear it in the vocal takes of any recorded vocals like if they don't believe it then you can tell. If they don't yeah. like there's a lot of pop records but I love a lot of pop records but there are some pop records where you can tell that it's been made in a room with 30 people and you're not necessarily sure if the if the pop singer like believes what they're saying. And I guess that's like one of the benefits of working by myself is even if I do end up chopping and changing the lyrics so much, like it is all still from me. So I really like do believe the lyrics when I'm saying them and I'm not like um singing someone else's story. So interesting. I think the the idea that you can kind of
2: because I think it's so important to me as well. In songs, do I believe this? What this person is saying. The idea that you can just tell from delivery is really interesting. I, I think what normally convinces me is just like the specificity of the lyrics, like hmm. lyric is specifying something that's like, no, that's not, that's a real situation or something. Yeah, um, but I I'd probably agree that you can you can feel it. Even that's that seems like yeah. a weird property of a <laughs> yeah, super weird, and it. it's, it's, it's
1: like an yeah, it's an undefinable th- characteristic. But I think that's why people love rap music or punk music because they are just they are like shit, often like just talking about real things. Or like a lyricist like Alex Turner from the Art of Monkey's. Like when he first came about, people loved his lyrics because he was like you said he was so specific with what he was talking about, and he was like even if you didn't really understand the scenarios he was in you could really feel that he'd lived those things and and like was talking about things he'd actually experienced whereas talking about for me i mean and there's some amazing songs like this don't get me wrong but for me if i was singing about you know baby what like what do you mean like i i wouldn't i wouldn't that's not who i am i don't like talk like that i don't think like that <laughs> so i i think like if i was singing about those things you two would be able to tell straight away that this that wasn't me and I, yeah it's like you said it, it's like specifics but it's, it's an un, undefinable thing and you can't always like explain it but i think you can tell when lyrics are artificial and yeah it, you've like if you don't believe it then no one else is going to i think that's what i'm trying to say
2: have you ever had a lyric that you've really wanted to like you're really proud of the lyric but it just doesn't fit in sound wise and so you can't
1: squeeze it in <sighs> I'm sure I have. I'm sure i have i'm sure i have i can't think of any examples off the top of my head but pretty much every song of mine i'll change a lyric at the like the 11th hour just before sending off to mix because yeah it, and it will stay the same i could have like a demo for a year that i've listened to time and time again showed it to people but then when it goes off final mixing i just think that stands out to me as just not something i'd say or not something that i'd that, like, is true, like, is true to myself. But I do usually have, like, these, for every song, I'll have, like, like a note on my phone or a scribble down on a piece of paper of all these thoughts that I've had. So I usually just go back into into those places and adapt it from something else I had that, that day. Yeah. So it's, like, true to what I was saying when I was first writing the lyrics rather than, like, a new idea.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. The problem I have is, like, I will keep a song for a year with... Lyrics that I've just kind of like improvised, and I really like the sound of the lyrics, but they're totally mm. not something I would say. And I feel exactly the same as you. I want to say something authentic, but it's you get so attached to the way the sound, the sound of the lyrics. Yeah, that it's like yeah. how can I, re- how can I now replace these lyrics? Because that's kind of, it's kind of what makes the song just the sound. Like, like, like I would never say the word darling. But I, I could not remove the word "darling" from a song because yeah. it, it it just what gave it its feel.
1: Yeah, but I think that's like that is also. Like I completely get what you are saying, but that is also the when you came up with it. That was like you can ne- you can never recreate the the feelings and the the like inspiration you were feeling when you made that track. So even if it's. I suppose even if it's not something you would say ever in real life, you still wanted to get that down when you were feeling most inspired. So I think that would resonate with other people when they hear it for the first time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the the way I justify it is like almost like, like you are talking about sampling music, like sampling words, you know, like that could be something you've heard in a film or from another Mm. song and you're kind of like patchworking it together even if it's mm. not your authentic voice it's mm. something you've heard in popular culture and now you're mm. saying i'm putting it in this weird context which is actually about sandwiched in between stories of my yeah. life or something like that
1: yeah that's super interesting yeah there's there's been times um when i've like been watching something and i'll just hear like a sentence that is phrased in a way that really like s- stands out to you and i can't think of any examples off the top of my head but you know hearing hearing a phrase that i had a lyric that was like Ah, oh, what was it i can't even remember what film it was from but someone said like the words are like a bullet to me and i remember being like that sounds like a lyric i'm gonna work that in and i don't think it ended up making the final cut but that just got me in a in a in a uh, like frame of mind where i could write with all this image imagery of like words like cutting inside you and stuff and i thought yeah you can always be inspired by things like that so that's why it's it's great to if you're feeling uninspired not just to listen to music but like consume more art forms because you never know what you're going to take from it.
0: Mm. One thing I was going to ask about the sort of authenticity thing, uh, as in whether, whether the lyric and the singer is like singing it authentically is like, you have a lot of vocal processing in your tracks. Mm. So it's interesting to me that you can tell if the take is real, but at the same time you like do a lot of stuff with your voice to, change it right so how do those two things fit together for you
1: i think there i think vocal processing is it's something that's so misunderstood and people like will really people will hear any vocal processing being like that's what tune and just sort of like turn their nose up at it and i think mm. it like processing vocals is like the coolest thing you can do in music right now because it's ever everyone can like recreate a sound Using their door, everyone can like recreate a synth, but you can't recreate your vocals. But what, like, what's amazing about vocal processing is you can kind of straddle the two worlds of being like, this is this is a beat, and this is my real voice and my real emotions. So that's something Kanye does really well, something that Bon Iver does really well with like yeah. his more new stuff. He like he will scream into the auto-tuned microphone and put all his emotion mm. in, but it's still got that. So it's still got that human emotion in it, but it can still sound great with his synths or great with whatever weird layers he's using. I think it's exciting. I don't think I think so many people turn their nose up or autotune if they're aware of it, but mm. but if it sounds good and if it sounds interesting and it's something you haven't heard before, I think it's amazing. I think um, yeah. Frank Ocean did it really well on Blonde, his album, where he'd like mm. he tells like a lot of stories with, with like he'll give his point of view with his clean vocal and then it would give like his past self's point of view with a pitched down vocal and all mm. no or no his or uh, his younger self with a high pitch vocal and stuff like mm. that and i think or playing like around with Ty- tyler does that all the yeah. time right the yeah exactly yeah and it can like it's a really cool storytelling like tool because all of a sudden it's your voice but in different contexts um, mm. And in different places where you wouldn't usually expect it. So mm. I think, I, I genuinely think that tuning and pitch shifting and like artificial harmonies is some of the most exciting stuff in music right now because, because of what you can do with such an emotion, like your, the voice is probably the most emotional instrument you have in your locker. And if you can like generate artificial things out of that, I think it opens up a world of um, possibilities from like a storytelling perspective and from like, and mm. it just sounds it sounds cool i think <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, fundamentally yeah, it sure. just sounds for pretty you cool <laughs> i do think you're right that the like the
0: sort of i don't know like the nuance in the sound that carries over can also make lines that shouldn't work or wouldn't work if they were like purely synthesized sound mm. good one of my like favorite pop tracks ever is the Skrillex Bieber where are you now and yeah, just yeah. because it has that synth line but it's not a synth line. I remember when I found out like so that's just like Justin Bieber's vocals pitched and a Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was like,
0: man, there's a reason why that is such a compelling noise. Mm. It's because it's not a noise. It's yeah.
1: it's a yeah, voice, it's, right? It's got like human. Your brain recognises it. It's got some sort of human element to it that makes you feel a bit of emotion, even though it sounds like a synth or, yeah. or a flute sample or something. It's still got like a human, a human character to it that you can't you can't recreate with no matter what plugins you're using. Like for a synth, like there's just something about the human voice that kind of tra- transcends what you what you'd, you should expect to hear, and you know you can always identify it somewhere. So I think, yeah, I think the, I think the voice, even though I'm like, I wouldn't say like I'm a virtuoso singer, like I I can sing in tune and I can sing with emotion, but I I wouldn't like put me in like a classical singing environment or something and I'd I'd crumble. But I think there's something about the human voice, which is the most important instrument you have, which is why I, I guess, going back to what I was talking about earlier, which is why I always felt like I wanted to put my vocals on the tracks I was making. Because it can just Mm. it can just do things that other instruments can't. Mm. I was just thinking um,
2: about the idea of, I mean, this probably absolute bullshit, but the the idea of like you know, the human voice is obviously the one sound that you would relate to most, right? And as as a human, because that's that's what you're going to connect with. I'm just imagining like in hunter gatherer times, hearing the skrillex sound (laughs) of Justin Bieber, and you'd just be like, what is that? Is is that a child in distress that sounds beautiful or something? It'd be be so weird. I'm just thinking about the fact that, like, there's just so many sounds that, like, we, like, our ears have all had the capacity to to, to hear Mm. throughout all time, but are now
0: just newly possible in the world. And I always just think like a, like, crazy thing. One thing I always think about related to this is just how... Now you have so many plugins and like digital software that is trying to emulate old hardware in various ways. And it's like, is that because that actually sounds good if you were to put them side by side and had never heard either before? Is that because we actually like noise in the background or hiss or whatever? Or is it the sort of decades of musical history that we associate with those sounds? Like Mm. when I listen to like a Motown record or something and it has just like I always think of Jimmy Mac. Jimmy Mac is like my favorite Motown record. When you actually listen to the sound quality, you're like, "Oh my god!" Sounds like I don't know. It just sounds like almost like not even music. So much hiss, like it's all over the place. But there's like an association with those sounds that make you feel something. And I don't know if that's like historical or
1: actual or what. But yeah, yeah. I think I think humans like we like hearing like error in the music like i think we like hearing things that go wrong because synthesizers that don't try and recreate old stuff if they're like if they're just like a plug in on your computer i think humans can detect when something sounds like too good like when it sounds like too mm. perfect and too quantized and too too it's almost just a bit too sugary and it's mm. very rare that it, it's, it's, people will like that there are some genres which people like really really dig that but but yeah I think we do, I think I think it's like acclimatized over the years to human error and that's what mm. that is what sounds good like no um orchestral instrument is perfectly in tune like a, mm. a synthesizer would be like like a violin will always have like an element of being slightly out of tune which is why it sounds so expressive and I think mm. I don't think you want to lose that with modern instruments so I think I think that's what's great about like the old school synthesizers or the old school compressors that make it sound like just a bit more bit more warm and a bit more real because there's there's just that element of this isn't perfect to it, which makes it feel like not artificial. Mm.
0: Once you once you've like arranged your stuff on in your door, do you like re you, you said earlier that you replay some of it in but do you do that even for like drums and stuff like that?
1: yeah i usually not always but i usually get my drummer to like work through the drum part with me like play it even if it's just on his kit and not actually the real sounds to play it and i I like hearing what he what he would do as a drummer and Mm. often that would be like moving the snare moving the snare manually like slightly offbeat so it's like pushing or pulling on the beat and yeah I do that with hi-hats a lot so I, I hate hi-hats that are perfectly quantized because it just sounds like a machine's playing it so I try and get it like a bit all over the place with the hi-hats and I think for certain things you want with like electronic music you want the drums to sit in the right place like a uh, clap for example you want it to be close enough to the two or four that it's got that feel to it but I if I don't replay the drums in uh, with like sample pads or with my drummer then I will at least like push and pull things manually so it's not exactly in beat so it mm. feels like humanized a little bit but yeah and I and then when I take it to my drummer he usually adds quite a lot of stuff so I like recording some of his simple symbols for example and layering them over the top of some of the artificial ones and things like that mm. Yeah I mean I
0: think like it maybe this maybe this is a ridiculous thing to say, but I think like my my ability to play stuff is like so poor in general, and I'm like so unreliable a player that like I'm often just like quite terrified of like trying to trying to like capture that in a way. It's really hard for me to tell what's like a good mistake and a bad mistake. So like
1: yeah, I find that I find that quite scary. yeah. I think the I think the good mistake I think it's often something you can't really you can't analyze like that until afterwards and then it's only afterwards when you like listen back to the original demo and you'll hear those original sloppy takes where you're like, actually that's got some character that my new overdubbed version just doesn't have. Yeah. And often I'll find myself trying to recreate a mistake in a in a take, which is just the most ridiculous thing in the world. <laughs> but uh, if, <laughs> well, if, if, can are any of your songs recreated mistakes? Which,
0: which, how how can, I, where can I... I think um,
1: Grey or Blue, which is the one with the acoustic guitar, there's mm. a lot of, like, guitar squeaks on the fretboard that I had in mm. my original demo that I just that just weren't there when I overdubbed and I listened to the two Ooh. takes was like, I much prefer the out of tune version so I did a version which was much more sloppily played and just messing around and, and being way more like looser with the rhythm and stuff than the, the, the take I had done just to try and recapture some of that original energy but it's so hard to it's Ooh. sometimes impossible to capture the like the vibe that you had when you first wrote something because that's when you're most inspired and finishing off a track isn't like an inspiring thing it's it's like a thing that takes discipline and thing that takes like more of your like more like a, a working day than it is like a, a writing day so it is often really really hard to recreate that initial vibe but yeah grey or blue there's like the guitar takes or like there's a lot of like squeaks on the guitar that was like there's not enough of that in the in this in the overdubs i did so that's quite yeah it's quite funny
0: Have you ever wanted to, or do you ever think about writing for other people or with personas like in the Tyler or like Frank Ocean sense, even? But also, just ah, this would be great with a female vocalist. Maybe, maybe this isn't, maybe this song isn't for me.
1: I have done a fair bit of writing with other artists, um, and I want to do more of it. I'd really, really like producing other people's stuff because it's just, it's to me, it's a completely different experience to writing on my own stuff, and I could never really. I never really like draw comparisons between the two because it's just such a different thing and it's someone else's um, story and someone else's experiences. The writing process is so, so different because it's it's a shared thing and um, you're bouncing off each other. And it's something I just haven't learned to do on my own stuff, really, to be honest. But for other people, I I love doing it because I love being the guy that can make, like, critical decisions and be like clinical with it and saying like that's got to go that's got to go because when you're writing on your own stuff you just fall in love with everything you make and then even if it's like at a detriment to the song so yeah i love doing that i'm doing a bit of it this year um producing with a few artists nothing's out yet so i can't announce anything but yeah there's a few really cool artists i've been working with and i want to do way more of it i haven't like donated songs to people yet there's not been like a song that i've made for me where i've wanted to give it away yet but I think I think I would and I think if I look back in, in my in my stuff the be stuff I'll be like I'm actually never going to release this but I could give this to someone so it's finding, right the pe- finding the right people but I'm definitely open to it for sure nice well this has been
0: super interesting we've covered loads of ground and I've learned a ton from you so thank you so much George thanks Ben as well for joining and um, thanks to everyone who is listening thanks for having me Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, share it on social media and have a good day.